And I think COVID is really, really a good way of thinking, um, oh, where maybe I, I do have some sunk cost fallacies and maybe where should I just say, okay, these investments are part of the past and now I'm starting something new. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Wealth of time, wealth of impact, wealth of family and relationships, as well as financial wealth. True wealth is what I'm really all about. And this journey has been full of ups and downs for me. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no money, no connections, only hard work, persistence, and even more hard work, to a European Ivy League business graduate and an expert on seven different psychological therapies with a great corporate job. Still, I've lost everything twice, but I refuse to give up. So now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. On this podcast, I'm privileged to interview hundreds of amazing people. From members of the Forbes Technology Council, Google executives, Amazon, Microsoft, LinkedIn C-suite executives, to Fortune 100, to Financial Times reporters and people from Harvard University, Cambridge, Stanford, even from the Vatican Church, congressional candidates, and decorated veterans, or just beginners wishing to make a difference in this world, all are welcome here and thank you all so much for the support after all this hard work of publishing a new interview every day this podcast is now ranking highly on apple in the entrepreneurship category top 200 in san francisco top 100 in australia top 100 in singapore top 60 in germany top 15 canada top 15 the united kingdom and top in many other places so please Share this podcast with one new person today, because when they listen to this podcast, they'll be in very good hands. And if you are interested in my marketing consulting or podcast mentoring services on how to use podcasting as a powerful tool to research and find your perfect product market fit, send me an email to mentor at storybonding.com or on Twitter at NoCodeWealth. Let's begin. My guest today is John Caffier. John loves science and loves the future. He is fascinated by people and by innovations. He is the founder at AppRat.io, building apps for iOS, Android, and the web. Without code, it allows you to do that. And the founder at Online App Creator, allowing people to use their mobile phone with rightward arrow at leftwebviewgold.com to convert their websites into native iOS and Android apps. And he has a holding company for his all his apps with many, many great perspectives, values, and principles behind them. John, how are you today? So nice to meet you, Aziz. Thanks for having me on the podcast. How are you? I'm excited, happy, and I'm really curious about you as a person. So what is really the part of your life or the moments or the story that shaped you and made you the genre of today? Oh, that's a really, really nearly philosophical question, actually. Uh, good question to start an interview, actually. So um, I have to think about that a moment. Uh, I think um, one of the things uh, really shaped uh, the John of today is actually the last year. Like the whole COVID situation really changed a lot in uh, the lives of like everyone. And uh, everyone, everyone had more time to reflect on their past life and future ideas. And I had 
um, to do that too. And I switched cities. I moved to Hamburg, uh, very northern big city in Germany. Maybe many of you know that city, Hamburg. Um, I uh, decided to uh, work less actually than I worked uh, the years before. Um, and I made some yeah, really like questions. I, I opened some questions in my life that um, really affects um, every aspect of life. Uh, thanks to the COVID situation. I mean, it's not cool for anyone, everyone, but um, and it's not cool for me either. But uh, I, I have the feeling that the last year shaped me in a positive way um, as well. So I would say the last year was the most significant uh, thing that made me the John sitting here today. Thank you. And that's actually very important. So, for example, you decided to work less. Well, what was the moment of realization or the insight you had that made you think the right thing to do is to work less? Because many, many studies are showing that people right now are actually working harder than ever because there is no more balance or blurring of the lines between work and at home because yeah. their home is where they work. So people, I had a guest, for example, Andrew Zagordonets, who lives in Amsterdam, and mm -hmm. he said he doesn't feel at the end of the day that he worked enough, so he keeps on working even more. And that yes. is really a bad situation. What made you realize the need for working less? Why did you think it's a good idea? And what was that experience that created this? How did you implement it, etc.? please? Yes. Yeah, good question. Um, I think for me, the situation was that I really realized that the uh, working um, timetable that I worked on the years before the whole, whole COVID lockdown in Germany um, started um, was way, way, way too much and way too much um, stress uh, resulted out of that. And when the COVID stress situation um, came on top of that, you could say that, uh, I really realized that uh, this is not a very sustainable state of mind somehow to just um, go with the existing, um, like go with the existing um, timetable and just um, I think it's somehow not just working less, but working more structured. Uh, and that's somehow funny because what I always thought, especially as a young student, when I um, thought about founding an own company or founding everything, a product by yourself, I always thought about the advantage that you do not have to do the nine to five schedule and that you can like work from from everywhere on the world and you can work whenever you want and um, of course you if you, when you go when you go founding a startup you work more than nine to five in the first month years maybe forever but um somehow i realized that this advantage of you can work from everywhere and you can work uh, anytime um, it's not just an advantage, but really a disadvantage when you are not having any kind of of um, manual fallback, some kind of rules like like the rule that only in very very um, small amount of exceptions that you would work after hours or something. And so for me, this was was some kind of a coping mechanism or in in to the additional stress imposed by COVID, I guess, that I thought, oh, something has to change. And um, I started with the structure, actually. I I um, used this uh, like time management feature of the smartphone that you are not allowed to open some specific apps uh, during um, your um, after hours. And I disabled the mail client on my phone for all of my mail inboxes, except a new mobile email address that only very small amount of people know so i really reduced um somehow the the um the yeah the the i i know i did not imp I, I increased the structure of of my timetable and that's ironic because i always thought it is an advantage in a startup to not have that <laughs> Thank you. That's actually a really wonderful idea. And I want you to please take it further because the biggest yeah. problem with startup entrepreneurs, so they're not as problematic as 
the uh, employees who are working harder. Entrepreneurs have been working harder since ever, even before <laughs> the uh, coronavirus. What they think yes. is, if I work less, I will get less. If I work less, then maybe my project will fail. Or if I work mm. less, then I will be less successful. What belief do you have that allowed you to actually structure better and to be okay with working less? Because there is this thing, whether it's professional anxiety or mm. it's uh, feeling like, oh, uh, there is more to do. And in business, actually, there is always more to do. It never <laughs> ends <laughs> you, yeah, unless you yeah, yeah. yeah, there is always more things that can be implemented. Well, what belief allows you to manage this instead of falling deeper into the uh, that whirlwind of more work, more work, more work, more work for longer, being afraid of failing or not succeeding enough? Yeah, good question. And I think uh, this is somehow very un-American way of thinking. And, I, and it was unusual in Germany as well. And it was unusual for me as well um, before I started thinking in deep about that as well. Because in the end, in the end of the day, um, it's it doesn't matter how much revenue you have if you do not have any time to um, yeah enjoy life with uh, the revenue or without the revenue actually and uh, so there has to be some kind of personal limit because you can do some kind of um, imagination experiment and think okay uh, how much money could i make if i would work like 24 hours a day um, that would be possible maybe uh, it's not possible because of sleep and some natural boundaries of, of um, uh, this like your concentration for example but if it would be possible from the normal um, society perspective of, of logic, um, it would be worthy of working 24 hours a day, right? So uh, in the end, it's a, it doesn't matter if you go up to 24 hours in the, in the imagination experiment, or you would say like, oh, maybe 10 hours is enough as well. And um, there has to be some kind of time limit and revenue limit. Actually, you need an, some, some kind of upper perspective like a revenue that is enough for you for for having the life that you want actually that really reduced a lot of stress and the second point and that's maybe more interesting for people who do not want to adapt to the belief that there are limits to everything ex and, and that includes revenue um is that it doesn't mean that you make less revenue if you work less you if you if you limit your day for example, uh, by three hours, you will see that you do not make the amount less that you would expect to make less in three hours. Because once you implement some kind of rule like that, um, you start to pro you start to do other pri you you start up um, some kind of other priorities, and um, then you do better. For me, that resulted really in in more sustainable um, decisions and. I don't think that I make less revenue since I implemented implemented that one year ago. So actually, I'm sure that I did not make uh, less revenue because I know the uh, the, uh, the numbers. But um, yeah, these two aspects I would think um, really opened my eyes somehow. And it's so easy and so trivial actually that uh, this is true. Thank you very much. And I actually had another. German compatriot, <laughs> Sebastian Schaffer. Okay. And what he said, he said this. He decided to be more conscious about what makes him happy because mm -hmm. he said in Germany and in entrepreneurship as well, there is this thought that you are a robot. You have to implement and work, 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 work harder. And he noticed in himself and his friends that even though he made enough money by working one hour in a day because he had mm -hmm. a team, he would still feel guilty about not working because he mm -hmm. thinks, well, if I work hard, then people will respect me. They will think I'm a professional. And he thought, wow, I'm working so hard just to impress people and seem to be that stereotype of the Elon Musk or the entrepreneur. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. he decided, he thought, no, my journey now should be about actually taking time to know what makes me happy because he said he has been working so hard as an entrepreneur 
to uh, succeed, that he doesn't know what makes him happy. And that journey is difficult because he feels guilty about not working as hard. Mm -hmm. But he believes there is a way to balance where we should both work, but also spend time to know what we love and focus on that in order to be happy or even be balanced about working in this world uh, related to domains we care about and things that make us happy rather than whether trying to destroy the imposter syndrome by saying, okay, I'm good enough because I'm working harder than anyone, even though mm -hmm. inside I have low self-esteem, but I'm working too hard in order to forget that pain or yeah. working hard so that people say, wow, he is so cool. And he said those are worthless to him. But many of his friends had that belief. What is your thought and opinion on this? This is really an interesting example, actually, um, because you see how unsustainable um, this kind of belief is. Because even if you can like get to the expectations of, of all of you, like, like, ex, like, like imagine all of your peers are so, so, so impressed by the amount of work that you are working and, oh, he's doing a 100-hour week, he's doing an 80-hour week, whatever. Um, you will always, always find one person that does not believe that or is not impressed by that because either the person thinks, oh, I could work more or I, I work more or um, and that's maybe even more troubling for people with that belief um oh i do not work more but i do not want to do that either so um questioning the whole belief what there should be about what what's behind the idea of working as much as possible does not make any sense to me in a sustainable way. I can get that, but uh, I can get that idea, but it would make more sense, I guess, to find a sustainable solution for the imposter syndrome uh, uh, behavior because you can always switch um, to new kind of um, expressions of that imposter syndrome otherwise, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an imp I think that's something that everyone in life has to deal about um, and that's not too much connected to business i mean it has a lot of impact um, in business life but it's it's a really in a development task for everyone in, in the world to decide um, which perspective uh, is is right for them um, in, in these questions and, and in the balance and in, in the priorities of, of life. And if it's really so important what other people think or if they are impressed, because so what a person is impressed, <laughs> what's, what, what, what are you doing with that information now? I mean, it's not, it's not so much worth um, than people imagine, I guess, if, if someone is impressed by your work. Thank you very much. And let's speak also about social media and specifically Twitter. Mm -hmm. I had a guest yes. here who he said, and even me and him, we were speaking about how Twitter is so addictive. What he said mm -hmm. is he always thinks the more time he will spend on Twitter, maybe there is that next opportunity or next person he will meet that will open new opportunities for him that can give mm -hmm. him things he didn't have because he had such experiences on Twitter and therefore he mm -hmm. finds it difficult to stop using Twitter, but that distracts him too much and the brain cannot be focused in order to be productive because mm -hmm. of the notifications, etc. Well, how do you approach Twitter, especially when you are reducing and containing the amount of work you do? How do you think the sustainable way to grow mm -hmm. or to use Twitter in a beneficial way without it becoming uh, a curse that you think is good for people to take rather than becoming addicts and junkies yes. who are always on Twitter and yes. not I'm thinking, oh, that will be beneficial, but it destroys their brain and soul and emotion. Yes. Yeah, I have a really troubled uh, relationship with uh, Twitter. And I think it's not just social media, but it's rather Twitter in specific. I mean, social media is problematic and um, interesting in many, many ways. And that does not depend on the platform, actually. But I think Twitter is somehow an exception. Because um, if you look at the um, like the trending hashtags, for example, and that's something that is not related to the business in most cases. It's rather um, politics. 
it's i mean in the us you you know that the discussion is is was always about trump biden or any kind of um political divisions um, being fought on on twitter twitter um, in Germany, it's actually the same, especially since COVID took place. You you have a lot of people um, in favor of the lockdown. You have a lot of people against another lockdown or against the existing lockdown. Um, and and then, of course, you know that there are hundreds, hundreds of thousands of um, bots, trolls. And this is really Twitter is somehow a geopolitical battlefield between um, geo geopolitical forces in the world. And Sometimes I really feel like being some kind of of um, part of a battlefield because if you consume so much of that and you you really end up with a head with so many so many confusions about what you think uh, should be right or should not be right and um, so this is really really something very unique to the Twitter in 2020 2021 I guess um, because it was not that it was not like that in like 10 years ago i don't remember that when i started using twitter and it was more productive it was rather a nerd community i think somehow it's sad but the 10 year ago twitter would be better for the no code community um that is starting off today actually because that was really um not a geopolitical battlefield it was really more friendly it was rather productive than than having so many bots and fighting against each other um and I know that Twitter is really, really toxic for my 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 mood. So I really try to um, be very, very conscious about the moment I access that web page. Um, on my um, smartphone, I actually have an um, plugin installed that blocks twitter.com. And I know how to unblock that, of course. It's not something like a child protection um, installed by any one of my friends or even my parents. But um, these like 10 seconds or 15 seconds I need to turn off the web blocking plugin um, really allows me to think if it's a good idea to start using Twitter today. So for me, to answer the question in one sentence, it's... Um, really a very, very structured and um, consciously dis conscious, con conscious decision to go on Twitter a day and um, not every day. Thank you very much. And so to take it even deeper, because I think you're a thinker and I like that you're in love with the future and with innovations and with people. Well, what is your own approach to development or to create an apps or to tech that is unique to you and that is based on your values and maybe more people in the world can be inspired by it in a way that is positive and will have a better impact oh a tricky question because i mean i don't know if it's really unique because in in eight billion people on the world uh, you will always find plenty plenty of people doing the same or even better approach. Um, what I think is important for me, maybe I can rephrase it that way um, and maybe not too unique, but important um, is that I um, really like if my products or my ideas um, are not just based on marketing. Um, marketing is important and you can do so much with marketing and marketing has um, so many, so many advantages for both sides, like the customer side and the um, uh, like the seller side, as long as it's fair, transparent and um, not about manipulating in a very um, unethical uh, way somehow. Um, but I mean, you are a marketing expert and you know that it's possible to um, to do a lot with marketing and that you can even sell um, products for years with just marketing. And um, I was so, so bad at marketing in the beginning when I started my first product um, and my second product and my third product some years ago. And I really, really liked the feeling that the people are buying the app or registering on the site 
um, even without any any kind of smart marketing ideas, like having a specific um, color here or having a catchy phrase here or ha having a discount or whatever. Um, so, and then it was really easy for me to to start learning marketing and even and and be able to even grow these products. But it would be sad to start the other way around, I guess. So um, that's something that is really important for me in my daily life because otherwise I would have the feeling that, yeah, it would somehow trigger an imposter syndrome, I guess, <laughs> because otherwise uh, I would know that with marketing you can do anything and um, even sell products that are not worth it. Thank you. And that is actually somewhat of a misconception because we live in a time where if you sell a bad product, people will review it and share with each other negatively. But let's go even deeper because there are like five levels of marketing and the deepest best level is to find, like Seth Godin will say, find your tribe, people who share your values and yes. together they support each other. And that is also a kind of marketing. So I would yes. challenge what you're saying, saying, do you speak about your values what you think is important in the world, what you think is wrong in the world on mm -hmm. your social media and on the ways where people can come and buy your products or uh, subscribe to your apps, etc. Because that is marketing too. It's like the deepest, highest level, especially now in a time where people are hungry for community. They feel alone, misunderstood. And like they're in a world full of bullies, bots, yeah. and people who mm -hmm. are just crazy somehow. So can you speak about yes. some of the values you share and whether you actually do share values in your social media a lot? What is important to you? What is right? What is wrong? Because then you are marketing all the time, but in a way that doesn't create imposter syndrome, as you said, because <laughs> you are sharing your soul and truth. Yes. So maybe I, I have to add one sentence or two sentences um, about uh, the last question, because I don't want to get uh, me wrong here. And um, of course, marketing is not a bad thing and marketing is not evil and marketing itself does not some kind um, produce an imposter syndrome by itself. But as you said, for example, if I would, um, if you talk about values or um, finding the tribe that is in, in favor of your ideas, um, if, if there were would not be any product behind that uh, like just imagine uh, really like just having this marketing without any product then people would maybe buy in into your values but why should they buy a product that is not connected to the values apart like like except except that you are the person created the product that it's not worth uh, worth anything or um and and the one sharing the values i think it has to be a fit and um, for me marketing was always last like development um creating the idea um was always last uh, in the last years and um that helped me somehow to really be very confident about the product and then starting the marketing which is important and having a, and having a good impact as you as you said and challenged uh, my previous um statements um and started that afterwards because then I did not feel guilty um and and uh, in trying to to convince people in uh, going with with this product uh, for example by having this the correct tribe for the product and uh, having sharing this value uh, the value about the values itself i mean um values are important and i mean the world currently is is uh maybe divided about many uh, about many values and i think human rights uh, we have them for 75 years now um are a very 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 good idea for most of the problems because in the end it's um an like cultural memes somehow i don't know if if you know the idea of cultural memes and maybe it's uh, maybe they are called not cultural means, but something like that. But but in the like in the idea of human rights, everyone finds uh, his or her place. But uh, in 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 more specific cultural memes, for example, like being a German or something, or like being an American or being um, whatever, like you can find any attribute for any kind of. Um, 
person. Um, this is really, really limited. And I don't like any like artificial limits. And why shouldn't we try to be one human sphere somehow without any artificial borders? So that would be a very, very large value that I would share. And that has, of course, very much um, kind of practical implications. For example, um, that people, that uh, the people um, uh, from the remote teams that are hired from us from Germany, that we do not hire people from India or Sri Lanka or other countries just to pay them less than we would have to pay a German guy or girl. Um, but instead thinking about okay how how could we ensure that um the the there is a fair share and the, that we do not make any kind of benefit just out of the fact just because they are coming from a country where the money is not worth so much um or is worth much more than it would have um, been the case in in Germany that would be one one example maybe not the best one but um, in practical implication of of um, my strong belief in human rights i love that very much i want to say <laughs> it's wonderful and then to understand you a bit more do you feel that you are similar to many people in Germany or wherever that you could be in your area in Hamburg or etc. Yes. Or in many ways, do you feel different and you're like a prophet who is sharing <laughs> the gospel of human rights, of moderation, of not working all day long, of being uh, different. And therefore, it's both good because you're doing something meaningful, but there is bad about it because all pioneers, they end up with arrows in their back. So you get yeah. hurt even more than other people. Can you share about this experience and whether actually it's a choice or it's like many entrepreneurs, including myself, it's like you have no choice but to do this because mm -hmm. it's like in the genetics or it's yeah. in the blood or it's something in your soul that if you don't do it, then you feel dead not living to your potential and therefore it's a necessity a lot of people they say oh i'm not motivated to start this project or i'm not motivated to do xyz from mm -hmm. speaking to many of the successful people i find that actually they have no choice it's like they say mm -hmm. i didn't think like okay i could do it or not do it it's like I have no choice but to create this thing and therefore I'll do it until it happens rather than thinking, oh, will I start? Will I not? Will I be procrastinating today or not? Yes, there are ups and downs and not every day you're in the mood, but you don't see your future without it. So it's like yes. part of your identity. Can you comment, please? A uh, good question, actually, again, all of your questions are pretty good, <laughs> but this one uh, as well. Um I think I'm not as no I wouldn't say uh, that I'm some kind of special in my in my country Germany here or something. I mean Germany was always some kind of a country not too much connected with um startup vibes um rather having like big industry maybe you you know car industry was always very big um and other very big export oriented industries as well and these kind of industries were very very successful during the last decades but they also somehow prevented a a startup culture some some way because everyone coming from university uh, tried to get a job at um, these big co uh, companies and um, so I think that the startup spirit in the US is much better and I, I spent some months in, in San Francisco and in New York as well and I know that it is some, some somehow better and of course everyone knows it um, but even in Germany this changes a lot we in in universities we have incubator programs we have um startup breakfast events we have um created a lot of this kind of atmosphere in the last years as well and i'm definitely not special in this atmosphere but um feeling very home and very connected to all of these other um innovation loving um, persons and um also i can definitely understand and relate people who are not connected to the topic 
um, um, as well. So I, in, in general, I actually would answer the question um, by saying I'm not special. Of course, everyone is special in their own way, but I do not feel more special than other people are. And um, I think as you, as you, I would, would agree somehow with you to say that this is something that comes from yourself and coming from inside that you want to try something and you want to do something and it's nothing that someone else can push you to do at least not in a very sustainable long-term way. Of course, you can be pushed by by uh, by your job requirements to to work on an, on a new project, but doing that by yourself and doing that for a long period of time and even continuing while it's not working out, uh, there has to be some spark inside you to to do that by yourself. Um, but I think you can learn to find that spark actually. So that would be the um, solution for people who do not feel it yet. Maybe they do not have to hope for better genetics, but uh, maybe they can just uh, try to find their own spark in in, in life. What what they would be happy in in which kind of they would be happy to try something new or um, do a little pause and then try something new or whatever suits them best. Thank you. And since you spoke about the spark, etc. There are different kind of um, schools of thoughts about this and philosophies. Mm -hmm. There are some like Gary Vee, and I don't agree with everything he says. Like he loves the hustle so much that he works, yeah. I don't know, 50 hours a day. <laughs> He's at 24. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure he invents some more. Yeah. But he yeah. says, work on your passions. And that is your road to financial stability and success and happiness. Because also some people will also say, when you work on them, when the time is hard, you will have the spark to keep on going. While other people mm -hmm. say passion is the road to poverty. <laughs> Do something that people will pay for, even if you hate yes. it. And then in your free time, work on your passion or do whatever you want. We don't care as long as you're given value that the world wants. And that is how to live. It's like one, there is a title of a book. It's called Work for a Reason. And he argues that work mm -hmm. must suck. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called work. It would be called fun. And therefore, to accept that work isn't really a good experience, but it's uh, something you do to earn your paycheck. What is your thought on this? And what is your advice? Whether if you think people should follow their passions and turn them into a way for financial stability and financial independence, how to find those passions, how to know which ones may or may not work. Or if you think, okay, give three hours of misery to, the, uh, yes. to your day in order to have 21 hours that are okay. Well, how do you deal with that? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, a good quote from Gary Vee. I actually don't agree with any everything he says um, either. And I, I watched him live in, in Lisbon on Web Summit like five years ago. And it was like basically the same message that you um, just quoted from, from him. And I think what you could criticize about his ideas uh, is that it's somehow too simple for most people because it, I, I not for the people actually but too simple it's a too simple advice um this is so so much connected to your um ecosystem where you live how you live um how much freedom you have in your country what are your possibilities and i think it's great that we are doing this interview like in the middle of of covid because um in COVID, this becomes so clear. Uh, in Germany, for example, if you opened your own food startup and you uh, made a, like a very fresh restaurant um, maybe two years ago, and now you had to close because there was lockdown and there is still lockdown, um, then you would get the money, I think like 80% of your um, of your total income and not not revenue but your total income of the last month paid by the state if you would go to the like our neighboring countries um, or like Portugal or, or like even European countries it's it's you you would maybe expect that it would be handled like 
pretty similar, but it's not, then um, you would have a total different situation. Then you would get maybe nothing or uh, much, much less. And then the advice to just work as much as possible does not make sense in both scenarios. It makes more sense in one. It doesn't make sense in the other one. It really is too simple. Of course, doing work is maybe the strongest predictor of getting things done. I mean, I, I agree to that and I would be somehow stupid to not agree to that. But yeah, but what does that say you actually? Uh, Gary assumes that um, this means uh, that this is like the only solution, but you could find a better solution maybe if you would think about the ecosystem besides that, for example, thinking about the society um, as well, not just on the individual as perspective. Do you, Do I want to live in a society that um, supports each other or maybe um, uh, challenges each other and both can be balanced against each other maybe. Um, so I would say I cannot agree to that uh, statement and it's really, really hard to give advices on that topic because I live in Germany. It was always, uh, um, as, as I mean, since I live actually, but uh, I... I um, while I was living in Germany, uh, it was always a quite rich country. We, I had free university education, something that most countries of the world are not having implemented into their government um, or into their state. Um, and so it, I would feel somehow stupid to give anyone an advice living in maybe much harder or maybe just different um uh, situations and I would I would encourage everyone to think um, on on their own basis and maybe connect to people thinking about advices that have that are having um, um, deeper understanding of the situation in in their country in their um, yeah in their sphere they are moving somehow. Thank you very much. And since you came to so many realizations during this pandemic, maybe there is something new that you're exploring next. You could share that lesson or insight with the listeners. You know, often they say that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I find that too. Mm -hmm. I might read a book today and think, wow, this is a good book, etc. But two or three years later, I reread it and I'm like, this was so full of wisdom. I didn't know they said this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, what changed? It's me who changed. Maybe someone who's listening is ready for something that you will share next. Some piece of advice, some realization you had, or something you're focusing on next in the future that could be good to impact the world. Can you share it, please? To impact the world? Um to impact the world, I mean, that's, again, very, very general and very tricky. And I, I feel too small to give such a big, big um, answer on such a big question, I guess. But um, I mean, COVID is really, really can, it's horrible, uh, but it can be some kind of a new start for everyone. And um, I I would really highly encourage everyone to Google the word, uh, the word, um, word. A sunk cost fallacy and um, maybe some listeners already know what that means because it's also a term in management books or social psychology books um, but sunk cost fallacy actually really describes this idea that the past does not matter for future investments and that does not have to be about um, money investments but also could be about personal investments and for example in a practical way you could think about, oh, I did this job for 10 years now, and now I should do do it another 10 years because I already got so, so much success in this last 10 years there. But actually, I'm unhappy. And in another job, I would start actually at a higher level than I do um, work right now. Or in my own company, I would be much more successful. And I know that than I, I'm right now in this company. And the sunk cost fallacy is really the phenomenon that people then often um, stay at the first job in this example, because they f feel, oh, I invested so much in that. And I think COVID is really, really a good way of thinking, um, oh, where maybe I I 
do have some sunk cost fallacies and maybe where should I just say, okay, these investments are part of the past and now I'm starting something new. And maybe some podcast listeners can think about that and maybe finding some some areas of their life where it could be useful or could be good for them to do a cut and starting something new even if it's her if even if it hurts uh, to um, not being able to profit on the investments on the past on that path um, somehow thank you actually it's wonderful there is a book called uh... Uh, Get and Results the Agile Way by G.D. Mayer, who is from Microsoft. But the blog where he explains everything about the book is much better than the book. The book isn't mm -hmm. really easy to understand. <laughs> the blog is everything you need. And well, uh, one of the things he says, when beginning every day, think, should I do what I planned? Or are there better uses of my time so that you're flexible every day rather than having that sunk cost fallacy of having to continue what you've done before. Maybe mm -hmm. there are opportunities or things that change that stopped it. Or even to me, there was a person in my life like um, that was uh, doing things that are really uh, poison dripping me or doing mm -hmm. some uh, things that are not keeping me up to my best potential or to my best ability to be productive. And then there are two ways to think about it. One, let me suffer more because we have a long relationship, so it should continue. Or what I thought, I thought, look, my life will be better. And why should I be the person that they empty their negativity into? I'm not helping them by that way. So I said goodbye to that person. And they're like, really, are you serious? And I'm like... Thank you for everything. And I stopped. And although there is like thinking, oh, all that time that passed, but maybe it's like the Stockholm syndrome yeah, okay. <laughs> or something like that. But then I thought that's how I want to live my life. Whatever was in the past invested shouldn't be the reason, as they say in economics, to throw good money after bad money or to yes. put yes. the money you have now, invest in it in a bad investment. Well, I try also to live like that, to think, yes, I have spent all that effort and energy and whatever in the past, but it's not the only criteria that should keep yes. me going, doing it only if it makes sense. And it's still a good um, ROI or as they, you know, if you see that curve in economics of marginal revenue and marginal mm -hmm. cost, if the marginal cost gets to be higher than the marginal yes. revenue, stop. Yes. So <laughs> I think about it like that. Do you have yeah. any comments? And please share about your work, about your apps, about how people can join your, uh, like follow you or check out what you're working on because I would like to support you. I mean, life really is about being a good person. And if you can help we people somehow, let them know how you can help them <laughs> and exchange in value in the world. So it's a good thing. Thank you. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool comments from your side on your book. I did not read the book, so I don't know uh, too much to, to be able to comment on, on that book. But um, as you said, I mean, this is really quite easy to adapt to all areas of life. For some people, maybe it is feeling too unromantic uh, to end friendships, for example, based on, on that concept. But in the end, this is nothing against the other person, right? It's really just, um, oh, this doesn't work out anymore. We are too different. Maybe it, making, it was a really nice time, but the time we had is not getting better by now having a bad time uh, for a few years. So I agree on, on your decision um, to, to maybe be consequent on, on relationships and friendships um, in general as well. Um, but of course, maybe it's even easier to be radical and thinking about that way when it comes to um, the own kind of job of, of of the idea should i do a startup should i work at my should i stay at my company and all of these rather management related questions of of your life and not so much personal maybe but even for that aspect of life um, it could be a tool um, for deciding on how to on how to uh, go with the future but i i fear that if i would be too radical about that then uh, the then I would be too 
too fast in ending friendships and stuff like that. So there has to be some tolerance that, of course, everyone can have some bad weeks and I'm happy to support. Um, and um, this has to be a very... I think that in that terms, the question for me would be harder than for other aspects of life. Uh, about the support um, for my products, uh, and thank you for, for giving me time for that. Um, I mean, for the no-code community, most importantly, I think, are my two products, um, WebViewGold and AppRed.io, or AppRatio, you can pronounce it whatever you prefer. Um, webviewgold.com is the page where you can download the webviewgold app template and you can convert your existing website or web app into iOS and Android apps without coding and having really a lot, a lot of um, APIs for, for, for example, QR code scanning, push notifications and much, much more um, for adding some kind of native app feeling to your web app. And you can make so much, much more um, revenue by having the access to the iOS App Store and the Android Google Play Store ecosystems um, because just a web app cannot be listed there, but using WebViewGold, you can um, do that. And the other solution, AppRed.io, is an app builder system. We are currently working very, very hard to improving the builder system, so it's getting better every day and um, even uh, much better in the next eight weeks when we push some major updates. And that's a no-code app builder for app, for iOS, um, Android, and the web. We have, I think, 25 app templates that you can choose from. For example, a chat app, ticket scanning app, restaurant app, um, and stuff like that, that you can just configure and use um for your Shopify website, for your shop system, and having an app that is actually even native and based on React code in the back end. So these are my two uh, products, maybe most related to your no-code um, community. And uh, also from a personal um, uh, aspect, and it was cool that we were able to discuss so many personal topics uh, today in this podcast. Um, I'm really, really happy to... Um, connect on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. I'm called uh, John Cafier, how I'm called in real life as well. And yeah, it's a cool idea to connect on Twitter, actually, because then I have more non-bots, more friendly persons in my timeline uh, that brighten up my day. So happy to connect there. And um, yeah, I'm, re I'm really, really excited how uh, uh, the feedback on, on, on my thoughts are received and i'm happy to discuss them actually and with with people wanting to connect thank you and i'm doing an experiment on twitter where i'll go to following zero people <laughs> to see what <laughs> okay, happens okay. to make mm -hmm. sure whether what happens with the bots etc yes i think yes. you know it's a way to see what happens where when your timeline is totally empty, so you have a Zen mind <laughs> in order right. to create. Cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much, John. It was my privilege, my honor, and I wish you a brilliant night there in Germany, and I thank you very much. Thank you so much, Aziz, for having me on the podcast. It's so great what you're doing with this podcast and with the um, spark that you lighten up uh, in the day of so many people who listen. Um, I wish you a great day and uh, hope to connect to you soon again. And thank you so much. You're welcome.